want the Holy Spirit to answer any prayer, ask Him that. If you say, Holy Spirit, show me, He will, because that's part of what He does. He leads us into all truth, right? Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church Podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor Podcast features Sunday sermons. To hear this live and before subscribers do, join us in Rockport, Maine on Sunday mornings at 10 for worship and before that at 845 for prayer service. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. So Lord, bless our time together today. Thank you for the anointing. Lord, we just pray for just an openness, God. We, we just believe today that you still have the ability to walk through every wall. And so, Lord, we just ask that, Jesus, that you would come in this room and walk through every wall in our lives. Lord, and we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would declare truth in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Listen, for the past few weeks, the Lord has been reminding me, resurfacing, whatever word you want to use, just some things from like 20 years ago. And, and some of the ways that he's been resurfacing things is he's been reminding me of, of old prayers I used to pray. In fact, I, I keep thinking about a time when I was 21 years old, pacing back and forth on a, on a concrete basketball court, asking God, literally crying out to God, believing that he would do certain things. And, uh, and if you've walked with the Lord a while, you, you know what it's like to really pray and then uh, for some reason, whatever timing or whatever, you lay things down. And after a while, you just kind of forget about them. Anybody been there? And, uh, and so the Lord's been reminding me of those things. And, and he's also been reminding me just old revelations, things that he spoke to me once again years ago that I forgot. And I believe that he's, that he's stirring those things up, honestly, not only because he wants to do something in my life, but because he wants to do something in all of our lives of us that make up the Anchor Church. Yes? And, and so uh, with that said, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and tell you. Uh, I'm not going to presume everything that I think God wants to do. I'm not that crazy, right? And I'm not going to presume how he wants to do it. I just believe he's moving and I want us to move with him. Yes. If, if you've been here for a while, I think it's very evident that God is moving. Yes. I mean, it's so neat to see him do things that, that you can tell that were not initiated by us. I'll just say it that way. So it's been pretty awesome. So anyways, I want to start off today by, by telling you this. This is one of the things that the Lord's stirring up. In, in the summer of 1999, yes, 20 years ago, uh, I, I had the privilege, along with a few other young people, to intern with a very anointed uh, an evangelist. And, and so we traveled for two and a half months with this guy as we ministered to youth at youth camps and also in churches. And, and all I can say maybe to, to frame up that two and a half months is that we saw God do incredible things. In fact, we saw thousands of people, young and old, encounter the life-changing power of God. It was uh, it was incredible, and, and words really don't do it justice, but I'll say this, that, that after two and a half months, I walked away from that uh, a changed fella. Amen? So during the middle of that, I remember that we finished up a service on a Sunday night in Dothan, Alabama, and uh, instead of, you know, whatever, going to sleep, all of us interns, we, we went back to the hotel, and I didn't go to sleep. I decided to go down in the, the lobby, and I remember reading my Bible. I was reading this Bible. That was a gift from that evangelist. He, he said, this, was a, this is a preaching Bible. So, anyways, that I never use. Anyways, I mean, I use it all the time just not to preach with. Anyways, maybe I should listen. But, anyways, I... That night, I was sitting there in the hotel, and I began to read this portion of Scripture from this Bible inside of Luke 15, and I want us to look at it today. It says this in verse 8. 
It says, or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Wave your hand at me if you've heard that before. Yeah, awesome. L- listen, in, in context, I think we would all agree with this. In context there, Luke 15, we see obviously the parable of the lost sheep, of the lost coin, and of the lost son. In essence, Jesus is talking about the value of a human soul, right? Uh, but, but I also want you to know today from experience that God's word possesses what it calls a manifold or a many-sided wisdom. And simply what that means is, is that God has the ability and the right and the authority to say whatever he wants to say from any portion of scripture in the Bible. Yes? So in other words, obviously when he speaks, the measuring stick is this. Is does it contradict or is it in agreement with the rest of the word? That's the measuring stick, right? So, so that's what happened to me that night. I read this, knowing it, knew it in context, but then out of nowhere, God spoke something to me that was definitely between the lines. And, uh, and I just want to share that with you today. So watch this. So I was reading Luke 15, verse 8. It says, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. When I read that, that night... 20 years ago, something exploded inside of me. In fact, uh, it was like in an instant, I knew that that woman in that story represented basically this, the church as a whole, the bride of Christ. And at the same time, I instantly knew that the coin in that story represented God's glory. And so, once again, as fast as all that can go, because God moves really quick, I instantly knew that God was trying to tell me, sharing his heart with me, that the church as a whole has lost his glory. Yes? Now, as strange as it may sound, as I was sitting there, at the same time, I knew that the nine coins or the number nine, however you want to say it, because you don't always understand all of it, but I knew it had something to do with the absence of God's glory in the church. Now, as soon as God spoke to me out of excitement, if you've ever been there, you, you might have done this too, but, but, but I made the same mistake that a lot of young other ministers made. You got to remember, I was like 21 years old, okay? And, and instantly when he, when he said this, I did, once again, mistake. I grabbed a pen and I grabbed a piece of paper, and I instantly tried to come up with my man-made list of why I thought, right, uh, of the nine reasons of why the church had lost its glory, Yes, have you ever been there where you like in that quick step out of the spirit into the flesh? Yeah, that was me that day. So anyways, so in my, in my immaturity, I didn't realize that if I would just settle my heart and waited on God, then he might actually show me why the church has lost its glory. It, you know, instead, I, I sat there and I, and I racked my brain for the next 45 minutes or so and, uh, and you know, trying to come up with my man-made list. And, and as you can expect, I finally, you know, out of humility admitted, uh, you know, there was no divine inspiration in what I was trying to write down. And, and so it was a pitiful little list. I had like three or four really good ones. And then after that, I, was, I would drew a blank. And so I just kind of threw in the towel. So anyways, I say that to say this. How many of you guys know that God is patient and even merciful even when we are really immature. Thank the Lord, right? Here's what happened. The next morning, we, we woke up and we drove back home to Birmingham, Alabama. And I still remember, some of you old guys might appreciate this. I remember driving an old rabbit. You remember old rabbit, old stick shift rabbit, right? It was one of the gals that was in our group. And I remember, man, it was a blast. Uh, I'll just say this. I tried to race, tried is the key word, race a lady in a brand new Ford Mustang. I didn't win. 
but it was fun. Anyways, so uh, later that night, I was, I was uh, in our home opener's house, and I was in the bedroom, and I was praying. And as I was praying, the Lord interrupted me. And I, I, you know, this day, I don't remember what I was praying, probably because it didn't matter. Out of nowhere, I heard God ask me, Quentin, how many fruit of the Spirit are there? I paused and I said, God, I think there's nine. As I hurriedly, you know, turned my Bible, I thought it might be in Galatians. I hit Galatians 5 and uh, just to make sure I was right. And sure enough, as I began to read and count, we'll read it here. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is this. One, love. Two, joy. Three, peace. Four, patience. Five, kindness. Six, goodness. Seven, faithfulness. Eight, gentleness. Nine, self-control. And, and sure enough, I was sitting there going, God, there's nine of them. And, and listen, I was blown away because here's what started to happen. God began to give me his own list. Right. I spent all that time trying to come up with my own list. And then I'm sitting here totally not thinking about it. And God interrupts me again the same way he did the night before. And he began to speak. And as I heard him say that, I said, yeah, there's nine. Discovered there's nine. And then I heard him say, Quentin, how many gifts are there? And I instantly thought, literally, eyes just big. God, I don't have a clue. I was so young in the Lord. But I said, but no way, God, because I knew he was up to something. So I flipped over to where I thought it might be found. I finally found Corinthians 12. Yep, there it is. And I began to read and I began to count. And here's what I began to read. We'll throw it up. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. Most translations say ignorant. Verse 4 says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Verse 5, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation or the revealing of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit. Then I begin to count. One, a message or a word of wisdom. Two, a word of knowledge. Three, to another faith. Four, to another gifts of healing. Five, to another of miracles. Six, to another prophecy. Seven, to another discerning of spirits. Eight, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues. Nine, to another the interpretation of tongues. And then I read verse 11. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one. Who's each one? It's every believer, right? It says, just as he, the Holy Spirit, determines. Listen, I almost couldn't believe it. I, you know, listen, I don't know if you've ever been so excited in the Lord. You feel like you could have ran through a wall. But it was that, that was me at that moment. Because I couldn't believe that here God was giving me, once again, his list. Nine fruit, nine gifts. And he was answering the question that I had that I was trying to answer myself. So fast forward 20 years. And listen, I could be wrong today. But I believe this is what God was trying to show me. This is going to be a little wordy on my end. So bear with me. But I believe here's what he wants us to know as a church. Because we, as the church, for lack of better words, have not sought after the full or the complete person of who the Holy Spirit is. Do you get that? Because we have not sought the full or the complete person of who the Holy Spirit is. And because we have not been fully and completely open to who he desires to be in us, to us, and through us with the perfect combination Of what? Both the nine fruit of the Spirit and the nine gifts of the Spirit that we have lost the full expression of the glory of God. Not only in our personal lives, but in the churches where we gather to worship. I'm making sense to you guys. Let me just say this. In fact, I'll read it there. Because we have not, to sum it up, because we have not sought after the fullness of the Holy Spirit, we have lost the full expression of His glory in our lives. Now... 
obviously today, listen, I know we're all from all kinds of backgrounds in here, okay? And I'm not trying to rub anybody wrong, not trying to offend anybody. That's definitely not the goal. But I will say this, if, if those comments rub you the wrong way, um, I just ask you to consider this. I ask you to consider and ask yourself, can you honestly say that you are satisfied in every area of your walk with God? At the same token, listen, and this is truth here, can we honestly say that we are completely satisfied with everything that happens here on a Sunday morning? Listen, I can't. Yeah, because here, let me maybe say this. Here's the thing about when you've encountered God, it messes you up. And when you've really encountered God and you felt the weight of his glory in your life, uh, you don't really want to go back. Right? And so it's hard to be satisfied with uh, status quo when you know it's available. Amen? And so, listen, I believe this. I believe why inside, when we get honest with ourselves, why we are so dissatisfied is because you and I, if we know it or not, we were born to be covered by the glory of God. We were born to be covered, created to be covered by the glory of God. Let me show you a verse. Isaiah 60 says this. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon who? You. It says, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. Do we see that in our region? Do we see a darkness? Yes. It says, but the Lord will arise over you. Who's you? Believers, right? And his glory will be seen upon you. Again, that's why we're not satisfied with status quo. It's because, once again, we were created for the glory of God. Amen. We were created to encounter. We were created to experience the full expression of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, in this whole idea, and I touched on this a little bit a few weeks ago, but how in the world do we get to the spot where we somehow lose the glory of God? I I want to show you two verses. Ephesians 4.30, it says, and do not grieve. Somebody say grieve. It says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And I want to see 1 Thessalonians 5.19. It says, do not quench. Somebody say quench. It says, do not quench or restrain or put out the fire of the Spirit. Now, when we look at those two verses, we got to ask ourselves, what's the difference between quenching the Holy Spirit and grieving the Holy Spirit? What's the difference? Because, now listen, there is overlap, but there's also a distinct difference. And I want to I point it out because I think it goes directly with what God spoke to me 20 years ago. But when we stop here and we look at the Ephesians, all right, we, we pull back, actually read that verse in context. I think we find this, that, that when we begin to read literally the the reasons why that Paul listed of why and how we grieve the Holy Spirit, when we see that, we'll find that all of those things are the complete opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. Are you with me? Let me say it this way. I think we can all agree that um, it's impossible to be bitter, to be full of wrath, and be angry. That's what it says in Ephesians. When we're overflowing with God's love, God's joy, God's peace, God's so on, so on, so on. It's impossible. So, so it's the direct opposite that when we are not operating from the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, that it's obvious that we grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Okay? Watch this. At the same time, when we look at the context that surrounds 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it's easy to see that some of the ways that we quench or that we put out the fire of the Holy Spirit is centers around a lack of openness towards the gifts of the Spirit. 
Listen, if you don't believe me, he simply says this. He says, basically, do not despise the gift of prophecy. It's in there, right? So, so in other words, it's this, that I think we can all agree that it's impossible to despise prophecy when you're eagerly desiring the gifts, as Paul told us to in Corinthians. All right, let me see if I can put this in a more personal way. When you and I, when we grieve the Holy Spirit, it's typically because we resist His character and who He wants to be in us. Okay? That we literally grieve the Holy Spirit of God by resisting His attempts to bring us into greater measures of maturity in the areas of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, right, gentleness, and self-control. In other words, once again, the, the fruit of the Spirit. Watch this. And on the other hand, we quench the Holy Spirit when we do not yield to who He is desiring to be through us. The first one's in us. The last, next one is who He wants to be through us. In other words, how is He trying to move through us? It's by manifestation of His power that's listed in the nine gifts. Yes? It's this church that we literally extinguish and put out the Spirit's fire in a few ways. Corporately, we put out the fire of the Spirit when we schedule Him right out of a service. Right? And uh, li- listen, I don't want us to be a church that, that gets so... <laughs> the Holy Spirit can't move. T- today, we're really saying exactly the heart of what I believe God wants to do. And I didn't even know they were going to sing it, but I will wait upon you. I will wait upon you. What happened if we, if we came to church and didn't try to check a box, but if we actually came and waited on Him? Lord, what do you want to say today? What do you want to do today? Right? Yes? So, li- listen, I-, I, just, I just want us to also think, not only in that side, but a personal level, uh, of when we refuse to submit and obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit in our personal lives, guys, guess what? We quench Him. In other words, in other words we-, we quench Him by deciding how and when He will minister through us. Let, let me frame it up this way. Have you ever been at work and you're like, oh, Holy Spirit, not now. you got to be kidding me. <laughs> we have a choice there to flow with the Holy Spirit or to quench Him. Yes? See, see the Bible talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, right? It says that in several places, being filled. One of the meanings that it gives there, and I think it gives us a good picture of what God wants to do in our life, it, it actually describes basically a ship that has sails, and the wind is blowing and hitting those sails, and it guides and directs that boat, that ship as it goes. That's what the Holy Spirit's trying to do in our lives. He's trying to guide us and direct us. And so the, the thing is, is, is when, when the, we start feeling the wind breathe, you know, blow, do we lay down our sails? Oh, not now, not now, not now. Or do we keep them up and go, okay, Holy Spirit, we'll go where you want us to go. Yes, because we don't want to quench the Spirit, right? All right, let me put it another way, and then I'll hush and I'll move on. Let's imagine it this way. If I said today, all right, gang, I'm going to get the elders up here, and uh, what we're going to do is we're going to pray for an impartation of God's grace, of God's empowerment on your life today. And we're going to pray for it in two areas. We're going to pray for it in the gifts, and we're going to pray for it in the fruits. And so if you want the fruit of the Spirit today, if you want empower, if you want the grace, I want you to line up over here on my right. And if you want the, the gifts of the Spirit, I want you to line up over here on my left. Now, I, I dare to say this, that, well, let me maybe say this first. So we understand one is not greater than the other. That's important for us to understand. Okay. It takes just as much supernatural power to walk in love as it does to operate in prophecy. Sometimes it's easier to prophesy than it is to walk in love. 
Amen. If you don't believe me, go to Walmart at 10 o'clock. All right, whatever. I don't know. So, no, Krusty Maynard, right? You'll find him there. He's no longer running the drill. He's at Walmart aisle three. All right, so anyways, but, but here's the thing. I, you know, I dared to say, just kind of stepping out on a limb, if I literally did that today, okay, boom, boom, whichever one, whatever your experience with God has been or whatever you've been taught all these years would probably quickly determine which line you would line up in. And I, and I want you to know today, and this is the whole reason I'm saying this, is I believe God is wanting us to see it in this way. That if you and I want to enjoy and experience the full expression of God, if we want to experience His weight, right, His glory, His splendor, His majesty, His holiness, right, to experience Him as the great I Am, to experience Him and who we literally saw in Jesus in those three and a half years of ministry, right? If we want to experience all that in our church and in our lives, then you and I need to go stand in the middle, Right? And we need to begin to ask God to give us a grace and empowerment right from on high that He would literally come and enable us to walk in the maturity of both the fruit and the gifts of the Spirit. Amen? Here's the reason why. Once again, because the fullness of the Holy Spirit is found in both. And so many people in the church today have tried to say He's one or the other, and He's not one or the other. He's both. And He's the fullness of both. Amen? All right. So let me, to clarify, give a mature statement here. Just because we're willing to mature in those things doesn't automatically mean that the glory of God's going to drop up like a bomb in this place. But what it does mean is simply that we get our hearts right and we're open to Him and we position ourselves for just in case He wants to do that. Yes? Because what's interesting is... You know, on one hand, I'll just put in the context of revival for a minute. There's been people who have prayed for revival for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And just like it says in in Hebrews 11, they have passed away and they didn't get to enjoy the promise. Right? And then there's those that have prayed for revival for two years and he comes. Right? And and I don't understand all of that, but, but I don't think that's necessarily the whole point. The point is, is that we're just positioned properly. Amen. And then whatever God wants to do supernaturally, we'll let him do it. Amen. Amen. All right. So that's the first thought I have for today. That's really sermon one, to be honest with you. Sermon two. Here you go. Right. For the past few days, obviously, here's, here's God reminding me of this. Right. I mean, literally, I haven't thought about any of that in a long time. But, but, but the question I've been asking since he said that is simply, Lord, how do, how do we restore your glory in the church? Because the truth is, it goes way beyond what we've already talked about. Way beyond. That's just a small piece of it. But to communicate what, what I believe is to be the answer that's really important for all of us today is we need to go back in and we need to look at Luke 15 one more time. So let's read it one more time, and then we'll sit on it we'll break it down because there's some key things here. But, but as we read, I want you to read it with that question in mind. How do we restore the glory of the Lord back to the church? All right? So it says in verse 8, Or suppose a woman, the church has ten silver coins, and she loses one. Does she, light, does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. Now, from everything that I've studied, there's two trains of thoughts when it comes to this portion of Scripture by Jewish culture, all right? And uh, so they agree on most things, and then there's one thing that's kind of separate. But, but here's the thing. Both of them agree 
in Jewish culture that these coins were very important. And they also agree that without a doubt, these 10 coins uh, refer to, to the ones that were placed in a woman's headdress. Literally, 10 silver coins in a woman's headdress, right? Now, here's the small distinction, okay? One group believes that those coins were a woman's dowry from when she was married. And watch this. And by chance, that if her marriage did not work out, if things went south, if he split, that, that you know, she's left on her own, that these 10 coins now are basically all she has, the money. It's all she's got to basically take care of herself until something changes. Okay? The other train of thought is this, is that these 10 silver coins would have been placed, keyword, in a bridal's headdress, in a bride's, right? And those 10 silver coins actually represented her faithfulness to the bridegroom, which meant that if one of those coins was missing, that that was a way that uh, basically her bridegroom, the love of her life, found out you've been unfaithful to me. And we all know that's not good, right? Yes, and, and so the point that I think that I really want to make here is that in neither case, guess what? You understand why this woman had such urgency in her heart as soon as she realized one of them was missing, right? And it's also a great illustration of how we should view the, uh, the loss of the glory of God in an urgency as well. In other words, that she didn't sit back and go, ah, sorry, right, I got nine other coins. It's all right, there's other men. There was an urgency in her heart, i got to find this thing, right? And I think there should be something in the hearts of the, the church of God today that says, God, we got to have you, yes. right? In other words, that in our hearts we would just go, man, I'm tired of just doing church to do church, right? If Jesus don't show up, why come? Yeah. Amen? So listen, real quick, four things that I believe that whatever we can learn that this woman did, you know, to help us restore the glory. Here we go. First thing. Is number one, she lit a lamp. This is key. She lit a lamp. Now, why is this significant to us? Because the Bible tells us in Romans 3.23, and we all know it, we all use it. Obviously, it's before we come to God that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Yeah? You've heard that before? That we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But the point I want to make is this, is that just because we're Christians, it doesn't mean it's impossible that we can't sin. We still mess up, Right? All I have to do is show up at your house, spend a few hours, we'll see you mess up. <laughs> right? Right? Show up at my house, you'll see me mess up. Right? So watch this. And, and even though I believe in the grace of God and the mercy of God, just take it within, within the idea here. I believe this also means that, that our current sin can actually keep us from the glory of God, from enjoying it. I think that's true. Right? So, so uh, it's important for us to remember that this, that... The light of the lamp that she lit, I believe it represents two things. It represents what the Bible says about itself, that the Word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. And the Bible also says about itself, it refers to, you can go read Samuel, where it talks about the lamp of the Lord being a representation of the presence of God. Yes? And so I think it's this, the point that I, that I want us to see and the reason it's important for us to light the lamp in our lives is that if you and I want to be the type of person that values the glory of God, then we need to allow God's word and God's presence to consistently search and expose the dark places of our hearts. Right? That it's this, that we should allow the Holy Spirit to reveal the areas that we are potentially grieving and quenching Him in our lives. And, and all I can say is this, is if you want the Holy Spirit to answer any prayer, ask Him that. I promise you, He'll, he'll respond. He will, if you say, Holy Spirit, show me, he will, because that's part of what he does. He leads us into all truth, right? So if you can kind of maybe think about something here, 
In, in Isaiah chapter 6, we know that Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, right? And it says that there was angels that had six wings with two that covered the face, two that covered the feet. The other two, they flew and they cried, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we know that Isaiah, when he saw the glory of God, what happened? He realized, whoa, who am I? I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among people who are unclean, Right? Yes, so there's something about when you begin to get in the glory of God that it reveals to you your stuff. Yes, you see how unholy you really are. Second thing I want to see is after she lit the lamp, she began to sweep the house. She began to sweep the house. And the point is, is she lit the lamp so she could clean the house. After all, ladies, you understand this. Fellas, you know this. Now, what's the point of trying to clean something up if you can't see? Right? Have you ever tried to hold something in your hand and try to clean it off and there's not enough light to see if you're getting it clean or not? In essence, we need the light, God's word, God's presence in our life so we can actually see what needs to be cleaned up. Yeah? Yeah. If you kind of put this in your pocket, that the light of God and the purity of God really go hand in hand. Okay? Now, remember what the Bible says here in context. The Bible tells us that you and I in Corinthians, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So the question is, guys, and listen, I don't, you know, you know yourself better than anybody knows you. But ask yourself, do you want the Holy Spirit living in a clean house or a dirty house? Right? And, and you know, when I was, when I was working through this, uh, a story came back to me. I, I, has anybody ever heard of the uh, Hebrides Revival? I've, I've talked about it before. The Hebrides Revival It's a revival that happened in Scotland. You know, basically Duncan Campbell's kind of credited as the catalyst to it, even though it evolved way more than him. But uh, anyways, so in Scotland, you got islands to the north. Here's what happened. God gave basically an old person a vision, an old lady. They began to pray. Uh, they called elders, and the elders and pastors began to pray. And they would meet weekly, and they would begin to pray for like four, five, six hours. And it was in one of those meetings that uh, they read Psalms 24. In other words, a, a young man, a young, a young elder stepped up, and he read Psalm 24. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? Right? Only he who has clean hands and a pure heart. He who has not lifted up a soul to idols, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing of the Lord. So he read that and he looked at his brothers that were there praying with him and he said this. He said, fellas, I consider it basically to be humbug, right? We don't use that word today, but pointless to be sitting here praying hours after hours after hours if we have not repented of the sin in our life. And the story says that they begin to repent, starting with him, begin to cry out to God and repent, and they begin to follow. And watch what happened supernaturally. They didn't have a church service. As those men prayed, and we're talking in the middle of the night, and they begin to repent, the glory of God began to cover those islands. And literally, people in their houses begin to fall out of their bed, and they begin to give their lives to Jesus. And if I literally, look, not one, not two, but thousands of people got born again, and not one word was ever said about Jesus. That's true. True statement, okay? And so, listen, there is, we shouldn't underestimate our repentance, and the power of repentance. In fact, I love what the Bible says in Acts. It says, repent so that you may enjoy, so that days of refreshing may come. Right? So just in that, that train of thought there, I believe that if you and I want to see God's glory restored in our lives, then we need to remember that he desires for you and I to have clean hands and a pure heart. Can I say something strong? 
Quit using the grace of God to uh, excuse your sin. Please. Please. The church is ate up with it. Stop doing it. He's a holy God. And the Bible says without holiness, no one will see the kingdom of God. We've got to measure it in full counsel. Right? And so, listen, the good news is that when we begin to repent, quit making excuses, thankfully God is good and he says that he will cleanse us, what? That he'll forgive us not only of our sin, but also cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's 1 John chapter 1, 9 and 10, right? So, a thought here, and then I'll move. When it comes to this, I want you to view this from the, the, the view of how you're living your life and how I'm living my life, right? It is this, is when we look, notice that Moses... That when he encountered God's glory, it was after he turned aside. Do you get that? He was walking and he did not encounter God's glory. And God didn't begin to speak to him out of the burning bush until he turned aside. Also notice this, that when the children of Israel were in the desert, notice that, that uh, they followed the cloud. The cloud didn't follow them. Right? In other words, there's, we could go through example after example. Time doesn't permit us to. But, but see how the people that, that encountered the glory of God in a positive way, it's because they decided to do it God's way. Yeah. Right? And on the flip side, you can look at those who decided to basically do it their own way. Right? Like the guy that reached out and tried to grab the ark. Right? What happened? He died. What happened? God rejected uh, Eli's son for the stuff they were doing. He rejected Saul as king for what they were doing. Why? Because all of those guys had this one thing in common. They thought that they could do it their way and God would bless it. Wrong. Yes? So if we want to do it God's way, right, or if we want God's glory, we got to live according to his standard, not our own. we got to do it his way. Number three. Once, notice that when she cleaned the house, what did she do? She began to search carefully. Now, to get the context, obviously understand that their floors were made of stones and rocks. There was cracks and holes all in it. So she lit the lamp so she could see, started sweeping. And, and it's even believed that as she's sweeping, that she's look, listening for a clanging sound, right? But, but as she began to, to do what? She began to search carefully. And here's the key part, guys, until she found it. Until she found it. That's what really marks when you look at uh, the church history of people who really had moves of God, encounter God. They just didn't stop. They didn't give up. They didn't lose heart. They kept pressing in, right? So if I can maybe um, give you this one thought, because it's a thought that I hope we have as a church, is, is found in Exodus 33. And I'll just say it like this quickly. Um, here's Moses. Basically, he's leading these millions of people because God told him to. And he gets to this point where the Israelites have been so hard-headed and so stiff-necked, right, that, that God's frustrating. God finally speaks to Moses, and he says this. He says, Moses, I'm going to send an angel with you to lead you the rest of the way. And, and, I, and I love what Moses said, and you can read it there in verse 15. Here's Moses' response to that because he wasn't accepting what God said. He said, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. In other words, God, I'm not budging unless you go. Yes? And this says in verse 17, And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you. Why? Because your heart's clean, right? And I know you by name. And I love this. Watch this. But Moses didn't stop there. Notice what he said. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. In other words, if you're going to go with us, but God, can you show me your glory? And I personally believe, don't bank on this, don't write this home, but I believe that uh, basically God planted that seed and that thought into Moses to ask that question because he really wanted to show Moses his glory. 
But I love what Moses said, and it's kind of the attitude I hope we have around here, that we would once again wait upon the Lord and have this mindset that, God, unless you show up, we don't want to go. Right? In every area of our lives. I mean, I literally last night stood in here praying. I don't know, it was like 11.40, 11.50, whatever, last night you're praying. And I said to the Lord, Lord, I don't even want to open my mouth up to somebody. It doesn't matter if I'm at Hannaford's or wherever. God, unless you don't go before me in that conversation, don't let me talk about you. If you don't go, I don't want to go. Amen? Lastly, what did she do after she found the coin? She did what? Anybody know? She rejoiced. Somebody say rejoiced. So if you, if you maybe for a second bring everything we talked about here, doing it God's way, having pure hearts, having holy hearts, all those things, I, I think it's impossible, maybe say it this way, when we begin to do those things and the glory begins to show up, it's impossible not to rejoice. Okay? But, but I have to say this, they had to do it God's way for the glory to show up. I'm probably not making sense here. I got things in my head that I'm not saying. Let me show you this verse. St. Chronicles chapter 5 says, Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeteers and singers were as one unity. Jen talked about that earlier. To make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice, get that, when they lifted up their voice. Can I pick on somebody real quick? In other words, they didn't come and just say, Well, that's not my song I wanted to do today. That's not fair. I'm not, well, I'm too tired today. No, these people came with one voice right? And it said, with the trumpets and cymbals and instrument of music and praise the Lord, saying for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. In other words, there's something about, I think God can't help but to show up when people start rejoicing in who he is, right? And then it says that, the, that when they said for he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Just a quick question. What would happen if we begin to have that kind of attitude towards praise around here? It'd be fun. Yeah? I think it'd be fun. And, and you know, just another thought there. What would happen, once again, if we actually decided to be catalysts and leaders and said, okay, we're going to shine the light on our life. We're going to begin to sweep our house, right? And we're going to begin to seek God then, and then when he comes, what do you think is going to happen to people in this region? They're going to come. Notice what she said. Rejoice with me, for I have found the glory of God. People can't stay away when the glory of God starts moving. Amen? All right, last thing and I'm done. Because here's really the point. What's the purpose of all of this that we're talking about today? What is it? it it's simply this, that if you go back to... Exodus 33, this is why God's saying this to us today. If you go back to Exodus 33, Moses says, God, show me your glory, right? And then what does God say? Basically, he put him in the cleft of the rock so that his goodness could pass before him. I just think and believe that God wants to come and he wants to pass before us with his goodness. I do, because he's a good God. Amen? Amen. But, but we have to do our side in positioning ourselves. And, and, the, and the truth is, all the stuff that Jen talked about and all the stuff Angelo talked about earlier, I believe all that was from the Lord. Uh, but, but I want you to know, all that stuff kind of fades away in His glory. It does. I mean, do, do, you, do you think that when Moses was on the mountain, uh, you know, enjoying the glory of God, that he was worried about his grocery list? <laughs> or he was worried about zigzag? Whatever, having a bad attitude. No, it wasn't. I mean, Jesus was there, right? 
Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet and we'll pray. Simple prayer today. Father, we just ask, God, that you would begin to search us and know us. And Lord, if there's anything that's inside of us, God, that does not honor you, Lord, we pray that you'd reveal it to us, God, so our house could be swept clean in Jesus' name. And so, Lord, we just give you permission today to go wherever you want to go and to say whatever you want to say inside of us. And Lord, we just pray, God, for all of us, God, here at the anchor, God, that we would begin to have a desire for your glory. God, that we begin to have a desire to seek your face like never before. Lord, I'm just asking, God, as the pastor of this church, God, that you would increase, God, in our desire to be hungry and to be thirsty for the glory of God. Father, I believe today, God, that you're working something in our heart and that you're shifting things in our heart, God, so we can begin to pursue you like never before. And so, Lord, today we bless you. And, Lord, I just ask, God, that as people go home today, uh, God, throughout the week, Lord, I pray that these things, God, whatever you want to say, God, that they would settle in, that they would settle in. God, that we'd be people that, that stand in the middle. And, God, that we'd be people, God, that just say, God, permeate our lives. Permeate our lives. Do what you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.